0: You know, and honestly, your boss may not deserve your best. You know, but Jesus does. And what you're doing there in the workplace is simply an offering to him. It's not an offering to your boss. It's not an offering to your supervisor. It's an offering to your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Husbands, look at verse 19. I'm not picking on you because I am one. But when we're figuring out how to respond to our wives, who may have... Had a really bad day and may not have been very patient with us at all that day. Listen, I'm not responding to her. I'm responding to Jesus. Hello? Not responding to her. I'm responding to Jesus. I may not feel like I may not feel like she deserves a tender response. Huh. I, I may not feel like she deserves any kindness, but he does. Now, that's not a real example, of course, because my wife is perfect in every way. Here's more of a real example. She may feel like her husband doesn't deserve another day of her service. She may feel like her husband doesn't deserve another day of her love because that husband may have taken her for granted again for the 1,000th time, and he doesn't deserve any more of her patience. But Jesus does. Folks, this would change a whole lot of what's going on in your house if we'd get this. This would fix a whole lot of problems that people are having with their marriages today if they would just understand what Paul's talking about here. She responds first and foremost to Jesus, not to her husband. It's not a separate bucket for your spouse and then another bucket over here for Jesus. It's all in the Jesus bucket, and so it's all a response to Him. You see, when you put all these other buckets, especially all these other relationships, when you put them in the Jesus bucket, you will always be responding to who? You get it? Y'all getting it? All right, We are going to close this series next week. Y'all got it. We got any kids in the room today? Still living home? Paul, Paul. Paul's on you, all right? Not just your parents. Verse 20. Listen, your parent or parents may not be perfect. Okay? Kids, you all listen to me? Matter of fact, you and I, we know they're not, right? I mean, you know your parents aren't perfect. I know your parents aren't perfect because I am a parent. And I got it wrong a lot. And there were times where I had to tell my kids, I got it wrong. I didn't handle that right. Shouldn't have flown off the handle. There were times when I said I had made a mistake but listen kids your parents right now are the god appointed authority in your life your parents are the god appointed authority in your life right now and how you obey them and how you respond to them and how you respect them Shows your respect to Jesus. How you respond and how you respect them is how you show your respect and your response to Jesus who saved you. You respond to them first and foremost. Those parents who are not perfect. You respond to them as a response to Jesus. Now, I want you to understand also, and I want to make this clear. None of this is instructing Wives, husbands, kids None of this is instructing you to ever stay In some kind of abusive relationship Okay, If you're in one of those You need to let somebody know immediately Enabling abuse is neither loving To the abuser Nor honoring to God But this simply means What Paul's talking about here Is in the course of Normal relationships. And let me tell you something, abuse is not normal. But in the course of of normal relationships that we have in this life, we do what we do first and foremost as an offering to Him. Now, kids, I'm not done with you yet, because I've been on you folks about going on their jobs. This also applies to going to school. All right? Because as students, your your schoolwork isn't about doing just enough to get by. And I'm telling you this because I, I want yeah years and years and years and years and years ago I was a student. And I was that guy that drove through the high school parking lot every morning on the way to school to see if anybody wanted to go hunting instead of going to school. All right? I was about that. Wasn't right. Just telling you, my example is not always a good example. All right. But your schoolwork isn't just about checking the boxes so you can graduate someday. But as followers of Jesus, entering into that classroom, doing that work with your Father in mind, with Jesus in mind. Because here's the deal, folks. Christians should be the best employees on the job. Christians ought to be the best student in the classroom. I'm going to move on up that ladder just a little bit. Hit some of y'all with blue hair. But Christians should be the happiest. Y'all laughing. I'm not laughing. Some of y'all got blue hair. I've seen it. Christians should be the happiest and most encouraging people at the Senior Citizen Center. At least smile. Tell your face you're happy, even if you're not. Christians should be the most gracious spouse. Christians should be the most gracious husband. Christians should be the most gracious wife. Christians should be the most obedient children. Children. Christians should be the most patient parents. Paul says, you want to put it in buckets. It's everything. It's all of it. It's every relationship. It's everything. Paul's saying here, whatever you do, do it from the heart as something that is done for the Lord, not for people. If we if we start looking at it like we're not serving people, but we're serving God, probably change. The way we do a lot of things in our lives, how you do your school work, what you choose to do with your career, what you choose to do with your business and how you pursue all that is done for Jesus and you'll put him first. It's not just the spiritual and the church parts of that one bucket that we want to give some attention to for an hour on Sunday morning. There is not one square inch or one bucket of your entire life that Jesus does not emphatically declare it's mine it's all mine I paid the price I paid in full for all of it it's all mine but but the alternative alternative to this is, is when we begin to compartmentalize things and we've got all these different rooms you know and We've been talking about it like buckets, but you can also think about it like different rooms in the house, right? When company comes, the rooms we don't want them to see, we shut the door, right? And we don't even tell them what's behind that door because we don't want them to see it. It's kind of how we treat God sometimes. All right, i got all these rooms in my house, and God, you can have access to this room right here on Sunday. But all these other rooms, I'm going to just keep these doors shut because, you know, I don't want you seeing that. It's not about that. Right? Jesus says, it's all mine, the whole house, every room, every bucket. But we begin to compartmentalize, which is what the Colossians are doing here. It's why Paul's writing this letter to them. It's exactly what's taking place in the church there. This is nothing new to us in 2020. It's when we start thinking of our lives in these buckets, in these rooms. And yes, we know that Jesus has got to come first in the salvation bucket. But in all this other stuff. Success in your relationships, when it comes to success in your career, when it comes to your happiness, when it comes to your security, when it comes to raising your kids, when it comes to raising your parents, right? You're not thinking about Jesus first and foremost a lot of times in those areas. You know, yeah, you may be thinking about him a, a little bit here, but the Colossians were not putting him first. And Paul says, no. You may not be putting him first, but don't you miss this. He is first. He is first. And he will be first. And he'll always be the first and the last. Because you, my friend, would be lost eternally without him. And because of that, you ought to put him first in everything. It's not how much do I have to go to church to keep him happy? Right? It's not how morally do I have to live so that I don't get on his bad side. Or how much of my money do I have to give to keep God off my back? See, a lot of people think about tithing. They think about giving to the church kind of like a God tax. All right, This God tax that you know, I have to pay just so that I can, you know, go on with the freedom to use the other 90%, however I want to use it, right? And so we're going to pay our God tax so I can do whatever I want to with that other 90%. Because honestly, I mean, this is how I view regular taxes. Call, call me wrong, but, I mean, I'm doing everything within my power to finagle away to pay the least amount that I have to pay to the IRS, Right? Are y'all not? Huh? I, I mean, I'm doing, I'm paying whatever the minimum is that I can get by with paying to keep from going to jail. Right? Right? I never think, hey, IRS, I joyfully bring this to you showing my affection and my adoration for you and you're worthy of it. It all belongs to you anyway, so here, take this measly little 10%, you know. No, I only think, what little do I have to do to stay out of trouble to keep them off my back, for keep them hunting me down, right? Paul says this, don't miss this, Jesus owns it all. And we should be doing His will as much in all of these other areas as we are in this religious bucket over here. Everything, all of it, is to be done in the name of the Lord Jesus, first and foremost, an audience of one in our lives. But here's the deal. And if you've not heard anything else I've said today, I want you to hear this. All right, wake up. Poke whoever that is snoring beside you. I heard them. Because some of y'all sat through a sermon. I, I know, I've sat through them before, and all you hear is blah, 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 blah. I mean, I, I get it. So if all you've heard up to this point is blah, 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 Pay attention now, all right, because after preaching for 30 minutes, I'm fixing to make the point. If you give your life to Jesus, many have professed to doing that, right? If you give your life to Jesus, correct me if I'm wrong, but you had to give him all of it, right? I mean, is that fair? I, I, can't, I mean, we can piece you up if you want us to. But when you gave your life to Jesus, you gave Him your life. You, you gave it to Him all. You know how I know that? Because the majority of you that are here this morning got saved while they were singing, I surrender all. Hmm? I mean, you can't not walk down the aisle when they're singing, I surrender all. You just got to go. You know, I got saved every week. As a kid, every, every time they sang, I surrender all, I had to go to the altar. But there's a reason for that. Because when we give him our life, that's exactly what we're doing. We're surrendering it to him. We surrender it all. It's all his, every aspect, all of it. And don't miss this. To take any part of what belongs to him. To take any part of what belongs to him and act like that it belongs to you is wrong in his eyes. The Bible is extremely clear about that. To take anything that we might have even given him and then say, oh, you know, I I, want to take that back. Anything that is his to say, oh, no, that's not yours. That's really mine. This bucket over here is my bucket. The Bible speaks to it clear as being wrong. Paul even mentions it here at the end of the chapter. He talks about there in verse 25. He says, anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. I don't care how fancy and dressed up you got your Jesus bucket over here. There's no favoritism if you're not putting Jesus first in all these other buckets. It's clearly wrong to take any part of what belongs to him and acts like and you act like it belongs to you, wrong. Even if you tithe on it. Even if you're religiously active and you come to church every single time that the doors are open, don't miss this. Listen, God doesn't want your religion. God doesn't even want your moral behavior. I'll even say this, and if you quote me, I'll lie, deny, and counter accuse, but God doesn't want your tithes and your offerings. God wants it all. God wants your all. God wants you to surrender your all to Him. He deserves first place in everything. He wants to be the one you're obeying. He wants to be the one you're living for. He wants to be the one that you're seeking to glorify with every bucket in your life. Glorifying Him with every single part of your life, every relationship to bring Him glory. He wants to be the one that you respond to when you're responding to others. Again, verse 17, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And I didn't put this verse back in the computer, but he goes on to say a little bit later, whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people. Honestly, we all should just be able to sigh a big sigh of relief right there that we can do it all. From the heart, as something done for the Lord and not for people. Listen, the the question is not how religiously active you are, right? The question is not about how much you give. The question is, have you surrendered your life to God? Have you surrendered it all to Him? And I'll be honest with you, a lot of people think that when we do a series like this about putting Jesus first, and I've heard little comments here and there, even while we've been going through this series, that we're just trying to guilt people into coming to church more. I don't know why you would think we would try to manipulate you into coming to church more because honestly that's not what it's all about it's not about us all trying to achieve a number where the rest of the world will look at us and go ooh look at what they've done it's about an audience of one and we're not here to manipulate you to try to get you to feel guilty about coming to church more or or we're not trying to guilt you into trying to give more money to the church right and if that's all that you're hearing when you hear us talk about and bring a message about putting Jesus first in all things, if all you're hearing in your ears is that they're trying to get more money from me, you're missing the point. You have totally missed the point. Because to be honest with you, I want you to know Jesus. I don't give a rip if you tithe or how often you come. All I really care about Is that you experience what it's like to live your life with Him as Lord of your life. I want you to know that. I want you to experience that. Because I've seen time and time again people who have surrendered it all. All to Jesus I surrender. And to see what He has done in and through their lives. You stand back. The world looks back. And looks at those people and go, only God could have done that in their lives. Only God. I want people to look at you and step back and go, only God. Instead of stepping back and looking at us and going, well, I wonder who their, you know, I wonder who their counselor is, I wonder who their makeup person is. I wonder who it is that's, you know, helping them keep it all together like they are. I want it to be dead obvious when they look at you. God is Lord. God is the one in control. God is my counselor. God's the one that's helping me to have the strength to go out and do what I do each and every day. It's all about Him. It's not about how much you're in church or how Christian your behavior is or if you're even a generous person. It's about putting Jesus first in all things. Putting Him first in your time. Putting him first in your talents. Putting him first in your treasures. Putting him first in your marriage. Putting him first in your relationships. It's about giving him full control. And folks, I'm going to tell you this this morning. He either has full control or he doesn't. He either has full control or no control. Because if you're hanging on to just a little bit, he doesn't have full control. He doesn't want our leftovers. He demands. He deserves to be put first. And I'm praying that there will be a lot of people in 2020, not just in this church, but in churches all across this community, all across this county, all across this state, these United States, that will fully surrender their hearts and their lives To Jesus and to his will for their lives. That in everything we do, in every relationship, we'll do it in Jesus' name. Because when that happens, and I've told you before, he's going to blow our minds with what he's going to do. When people are fully surrendered to Jesus. When people are fully surrendered to Jesus in their relationships. When they're fully surrendered to Jesus in their family. And when they're fully surrendered to Jesus in the church. No telling. There is no telling what He'll do. If we'll just be willing to surrender. So this morning we're going to close with prayer. This morning maybe you just need to come pray. I had had somebody tell me at the end of the first service today. You know I I just felt like I needed to come pray. Wanted to know if the altar was open. Folks, the altar's always open. I've never seen a closed sign on any of them. I mean, you can come and pray any time. But right now, I would ask you if you feel like you need to come pray, maybe to surrender something, to surrender a bucket. Maybe you just need some help. You say, yeah, I get all this. I know this message. I've heard this message all my life, and I need some help. Well, the good news for you is he's promised you some help through the help of the Holy Spirit maybe you just come this morning and nail that down I invite you to come maybe there's something that you need to come pray about situation going on in your life or your family that you just want to bring before the Lord bring that to him maybe you're here today and you've never surrendered at all and Jesus is speaking to you about that being saved accepting him as Lord and Savior of your life that's the first step for you to take maybe you want to come this morning give your life to him at this altar Encourage you, if you do that today, to share that with somebody. Get with somebody you know. Get with one of our staff and let us talk to you about what that decision is. Folks, we've got a lot of people in our church that are hurting right now. Several in the hospital, many facing surgeries this week. I know there's a lot of needs in a congregation this big. So I invite you to come pray as we close together. We're not going to draw this out. If you'd like to come this morning, please come. God, we've sang this morning, we've sang praises to you and we've sang about what a good, good father you are. God, you are so good to us. And when we think about all that you've done and the grace that we've been extended, the forgiveness that we've been extended, the patience that you've shown us in our lives And we don't always get it right. God, it's overwhelming to think that you would love us the way that you do. But God, we know about your love. We know about your grace. We know about your forgiveness. We know know that you're a good father. And God, it's kind of challenging this morning to see passages of Scripture like that Apostle Paul had for us here today about treating other people in our lives and all these different relationships, people we know, people even we don't know, to treat them the same way that our Father treated us. And I look at that and go, well, that's easy because you're God and you're perfect, and I'm not. But God, that's really a lame excuse and a cop-out because you you told us when Jesus left, he said, I'm sending you a helper. You're going to have all the help that you need through the presence of the Holy Spirit. But sometimes we think the work of the Holy Spirit only happens on Sunday. I thank you for this reminder today that In that 90%, the rest of our life, the rest of our talents, the rest of our treasures, and all those relationships outside the church, it's still got to be about you. It's not just a Sunday thing. It's not just 10%. It's 100%. And God, some things are hard to let go of. Some control is hard to release. I pray today that you would give some people here, the strength and the help and the power to be able to turn loose of whatever it is that you've put your finger on in their life. Maybe it's a relationship that they've been struggling with. They would just be able to release control of that and begin to see that relationship as their relationship with you and treat that person and respond to that person exactly the way that they would respond to their good, good father. Maybe it's a a situation that they continually let weigh them down and burden them. God, I pray today that they would just sense a a, a, a sense of release as they surrender all to you, all of that to you. That you'll carry that for them. You'll take that burden from them you say, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And there's some tired, weary, and heavy laden people that walked into this sanctuary today. But God, they don't have to walk out of here that way. Because with your help, we have all that we need in you. God, I thank you for what you're doing here. I thank you for your powerful word and Just the encouragement that we get from it, but also the challenge that we get from it. Because the the challenge that Paul's speaking to the Colossians about is, is still a real challenge in our world today, if not even more difficult. So God, I pray for the church today that we would be beautiful representatives of who you are as we go out from this place. Because again, the church isn't the building, the church is alive and active and walking into a lot of different places of business tomorrow. They're walking into the schools tomorrow. They're walking into the senior citizen center tomorrow. God, the church is going to be active and alive all across this community and state tomorrow. And I pray that we would do it all. We would all go in the name of Jesus. And it would all be done according to your will. It would all be done to bring you glory. And it would all be done in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for giving us an opportunity to represent you as we leave here. I pray that you'd find us faithful and that you'd find us obedient. And not just the people of this church, but we have brothers and sisters in Christ all around this community today that are gathered together worshiping you I pray that you would do an amazing work in their midst as well God I pray for my friend down there greater purpose fellowship today that new congregation that God's just trying to get a work going in this community God I pray that you would use them and do something special in Brad's life and in that family there that church family God, you'd give them souls for their labor and their obedience and their hard work. God, today we just again stand amazed in your presence and your love for us. So as we leave here today, I pray that we'd be a beautiful reflection of that love to those that we come in contact with, whether it be in the home, the office, the schoolroom. I pray that we would reflect you, be a reflection of your love, mercy and grace and forgiveness to others. And it is in the powerful, so powerful name of Jesus that we pray and ask these things. Amen. God bless you all. I love you so very much. Hope you have a wonderful week.